Hey folks, Patrick Hale here. Welcome to another episode of the Makers and Shakers podcast. We're now on iTunes, so feel free to subscribe and rate us there. Tonight we bring you three more speakers from the Makers and Shakers Summit of 2015 that happened at Ampersand Studios in Summersworth, New Hampshire. Here's your host, Ben Watts. Um, I came to uh, Makers 1.0, sort of new to the area, and uh, was completely inspired by it, and I, I couldn't have been more excited to have spoken uh, last year at the, second, at the second round of this. But um, we, all of us in our endeavors that we do as individuals, uh, it would not be possible without the support of you guys coming to things like this, uh, supporting us in our individual businesses ef business efforts, all of that. Uh, you guys need to give yourselves a round of applause because we couldn't do this without you. Absolutely. Um, so coming up, we have our next speaker. Uh, he is a, a young man from the area who uh, took a hobby, turned it into a passion, uh, turned it into a sport that he was uh, incredibly successful at, and then took that and turned it into a uh, thriving local business. So let's give a round of applause for Devin Powell. Uh, my name is Devin Powell. I am the owner of Nostos MMA, and I am also a professional mixed martial artist. If you don't know what that is, if you ever uh, go on the TV and watch guys punch each other in the face inside of a lock cage, it's pretty much what I do. Kind of barbaric, I'm sure. Um, I grew up in an awesome family. I don't have any sob story, but I definitely didn't like martial arts for a long time. I was actually huge into music. That's the one thing I actually liked uh, growing up and I just wanted to play guitar. I didn't care about school. I just wanted to play music. And when I got out of school, or high school, I uh, tried college just because I felt like it was what I was supposed to do, and I hated it. I went for a year to USM, I did fine, but then I dropped out. From there, I searched for another outlet, kind of like what music was for me, and I found martial arts. Started training every single day. I would actually lie to my employer saying that I need an extended lunch break so that I could go to class. And they thought I was going to college, but it wasn't a complete lie. I was just going to class that was kickboxing or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or MMA. And then when I came back with a black eye, you know, it was uh, probably not a good thing. <laughs> but um, I kept doing it. I got really good at it. I won some cool awards fighting, uh, some knockout of the night, submission of the nights. And I ended up being the number one 155-pound fighter in the entire Northeast. Um, so things were pretty good. I hated my job. I, I was working at a passport center. Um, I became complacent there because I got health benefits and I got paid decently, but it was something that I just wanted to, uh, you know, stay at basically so that I had enough money to pay my rent and I could just go and train. But then all of a sudden this thing happened and I had a kid. Um, things changed big time. Uh, Clementine Kennedy Powell showed up and I, uh, I had to start doing a lot more with my whole fighting game, and I decided that I wanted to do something that was passionate for a living. Um, I didn't want to just work at a passport center where I was just staring at a computer screen hating my life. So I needed to figure a way to make money doing this. And I started teaching jiu-jitsu at Fort City BJJ. I started teaching jiu-jitsu at St. John Prep School in Danvers, and I started fighting professionally so I could get paid. Um, and that still wasn't quite enough. So another place that I trained at, was called the shop mixed martial arts and um, 
they were having some hard times. They were going to close down, and they gave me the opportunity. They said that I could take the place over, and I could renovate it, and I could make my own academy at the same spot, and I jumped on it. I, I just wanted to do something that I love for a living. I thought this was the opportunity. So I had a professional fight. I fought a kid named John Lemke, and uh, I thankfully beat him pretty quickly. And then I had about a week to open up the academy. So I took all the money that I made in the fight, a couple grand, put it immediately into new mats, new equipment. I took out a loan. I took all my accounts money, and I was broke. So I was stuck at a passport center still, and I couldn't do anything but teach and work all the time. Uh, I was waking up at 5 AM going to work 6.45 to 3.15, and then immediately I would go to the academy. I would work until, or I'd train, or teach and train until about nine o'clock at night, and then I would clean the mats, go home. If I was lucky, I was in bed at midnight, and then I'd wake up, and I remember every single morning I'd wake up, my hands would just be trembling. I would just hate the idea of having to go into work, and uh, I'd just sit on the edge of bed shaking, and I just knew I had to do it because I had to pay I had to pay for the academy with all of my money at the passport center. So all the money went into cleaning the place up, making it a whole new thing. And I, uh, I was starting to break down. I was, I was teaching too much, I was training too much, and I was working too much. So I made myself a deal. I said, on March 20th, I'm going to be done at the passport center, no matter what, I'm done. And I didn't think it was going to happen. I was. Uh, I got stuck having to have a sinus surgery. I had to have an elbow surgery, and I didn't think I could afford it. And I just was uh, in a rut. And then, fortunately, I got an email from a guy named Eric at North Andover High School. And he asked me, based off my credentials and the website and all the things I'd accomplished in my life, if I'd uh, be willing to teach a wellness class at the high school where I would be teaching kickboxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and MMA and all that. And I jumped on the idea. I had to do it, and I called my work. And the next morning, which was March 20th on a Friday, I went in and I turned in my badge, and I was all done. Seven and a half years later, so now seven days a week, I'm teaching what I love to do: kickboxing, MMA, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, teaching youth students. But more importantly, I'm, I'm teaching kids how to defend themselves from getting bullied. I'm teaching adults how to live healthy lifestyles and be fit. I'm teaching adults. I've, I've helped guys get into uh, jobs being law enforcement officers and getting them in shape, and it's just rewarding. You know, I'm a, kind of a classic example of why can't I do what I love for a living? Um, it's what I'm doing now. You know, it was a lot of hard work, a lot of sleepless nights, not seeing my daughter. But now on a Friday afternoon, I can take her to the park instead of being stuck in an office. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> that being said, um, never stop chasing your goals, you know? Never stop chasing your dreams. If it gets tough, you got to just keep going. If you're burnt out, just keep pushing through. And if you're sitting at the edge of your bed and your hands are shaking, you can't fathom getting up, just get up. That's what I did. And uh, you know, because of that, um, I'm loving my life every single day. To me, I'm not making a, a million dollars or anything, but success is happiness. It's not wealth. And that's what I have. I have a great family. I have a incredible fiance and daughter, and I have a house, I have an academy, I have teammates and coaches, and, and everybody in my life is perfect. So really, all I can say is that if you chase your dreams, you're going <laughs> to, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of emotional, but uh, 
yeah, this is my life now. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> um, if you don't chase your dreams, you're going to be stuck like I was working at a passport center, and you're going to be fulfilling someone else's. So go out and do it. That's what I did. Thank you. Um, next up, we have a, a, a great presenter, kind of near and dear to me. Um, I guess one of the first things that I did when I moved over to Berwick was to uh, head over to the library and get myself a library card um, and uh, have moved around in town but stayed relatively close to the library, which has been pretty awesome for me and, and uh, for my kid. Um, but let's give it up for our next presenter. She's the executive director of the Berwick Public Library, Melissa Sagrer. So this is me. I've always loved going to libraries. From about this age, I started going to the library in Merrimack, New Hampshire for story times and making crafts, and they had this incredible castle made of cushions that only a kid could fit into. I've taken out lots of books and graphic novels and movies and audiobooks from libraries across the country. I've moved a number of times, and one of the first things that I do in a new place is get a library card. I have a stack of them. It opens up whole worlds of imagination, information, and soft chairs. Libraries have always helped me feel at home wherever I am. I've worked in a number of special libraries, but I have always been the most passionate about public libraries, how the main point of them is to increase access to knowledge, and connect people to resources, to books, to the internet, to meeting space, and giving lots of things away to everyone for free. Two years ago in August, I started working at the Berwick Public Library. We are a small, all part-time staff, and we're only open 28 hours a week. But even with our limitations, last year we circulated over 20,000 materials and had over 1,300 program attendees. Maine has a library value calculator that gives dollar amounts to the things that we give away, like books, internet access, movies, ebook and audiobook downloads, programming, reference, and based on the number of times people at our library used those items and services last year, we gave away the equivalent of $390,000 back to the community, which is pretty awesome because the money that we got from the town last year was only 83000 so that means we took our budget and multiplied it over four times and gave it back to the town of Berwick. Our library is not a town department. We're a separate nonprofit organization. So the money that we get from the town is an annual appropriation voted on by the town every year. It doesn't cover our operations. So then we fundraise for about 20%, which is a struggle and only made possible by the generosity of our patrons, our wonderful friends of the Berwick Public Library, and our very active board of directors for their many fundraising efforts, only a few of which are highlighted here. Raise your hand if you've been to a public library in 2015. That's pretty good. A lot of people I encounter still think that the library is a room full of books and older women who like to knit. <laughs> this is part of the truth. I am a huge lover of physical books and of knitting and of all of our knitters, but there is more to libraries. There's a lot more. We have discounted museum passes. We have a lot of people using our computers and our wireless. 
Our Wi-Fi reaches into our parking lot, so even when we're closed, people can still use internet connection if they don't have one at home. There's a shout out to BAA there, the Berwick Art Association, as they have been enriching our space with their meetings and art and projects. We do have those things that you're familiar with the library having, and we plan to always have books. I went to the library conference recently where a futurist spoke about the future of libraries. Something that stuck with me was that 80% of the library will stay the same. The idea is not that we will become an all digital ebook online repository. We will keep the physical book. We will keep having story times for kids, but we can also experiment. There's 20% of wiggle room for the future projects and ideas. We can introduce new programs and classes and items and take some chances. So what kind of things are we taking chances on? I noticed that there were a lot of people who are into plants and gardening in Berwick. We try to pay attention and grow what we know people have interest in. Last year, we started a seed saving library. We collected donations of seeds and have been giving them out for free and encouraging folks to grow the plants, harvest them, and collect the seed in the fall and donate some of that seed back to the library to continue the cycle. We were able to grow some in our library garden last year, package them, and they're ready to be given out to plant this year. So we did come full circle, which was really exciting. Here's Tanuvial, a master gardener who lives in Berwick, who taught a seed saving class for us last spring to help us introduce the seed saving library and teach people about how and when and why to save seed. This is mostly what our seed library looks like, a bunch of small envelopes with some information about the seeds. You can come in and take out five packets of seeds and you're encouraged to grow and return some, but it's not required. It's meant to help people grow their own food and try out seed saving. So one kind of experiment for us is trying to make calculated guesses about where local interest lies and then building on that. But there's also the kind where we take a leap and bring in something people might not know they wanted. Some of us got it in our heads that it would be fun to bring in new technology that residents couldn't or wouldn't buy themselves. So we tested the water with the teens at our library and had them tell us what they might print if we got a 3D printer. They came up with all kinds of ideas and those ideas helped us to convince the Friends of the Borough Public Library to purchase one for us. Here's a bunch of things that you can print with a 3D printer. You can make personalized cookie cutters, you can make your own jewelry. I printed my necklace charm, a little dragon here, and my bracelet that I customized to say library doors are a gateway to anywhere. Um, you can make fun toys or decor. You can come up with ideas and create them with software at our library. It's something that we haven't worked very much with yet, but we're really excited to see what people will come up with. We also have a Pinterest board with more 3D print ideas some of which are more on the practical side, like printing tools or cabinet folds. The first patron to come in wanting to print came in with $5, but he didn't know what he wanted to print. I took him to a computer and brought up two websites where he could browse already created items to print. He surprised me by finding a city creator where you can pick a base, choose and place buildings, and write your name or other text on your object and then print it. It came out really well. He's 10 years old. So I ask you to go to your library, look around and see if there's something that interests you. Chances are there will be. Take stuff out. 
If you don't see something, try to be brave and ask a librarian if they have what you want or how to get it. I'm constantly wondering what people want to see and how to get it to them. The best way to find out is for you to tell us. If you get involved, you can make libraries even cooler. Libraries are this magical place where people really want to give you things for free. All you have to do is show up. I'd like to thank my staff, our board of directors, our friends group, our volunteers, our donors, and our patrons. Also, my husband in the middle in the Grinch costume who marched in the parade, and he supports me all the time. So come visit us. And we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Pinterest. So visit us online. Come visit us in person. We'd love to hear uh, what you want and give you things for free. All right, our next presenter is a Summersworth native. Give it up for that. She went off to school, made her way to Harvard, but then came back to Summersworth to do a bunch of cool stuff and get involved with this community. And she's going to tell you all about it. Let's give it up for Maddie DeSantis Beach. Hi. So. Last fall, I was interviewed by New Hampshire Public Radio for a story about all the great things my childhood friends and I were doing in our hometown to make it a better place. This is how I was introduced. First, picture Summersworth. It's a rinky-dink little town. Second, why would an educated young person ever choose to live there? Why is this newsworthy? 20-somethings move home all the time. But usually when you hear about an educated young person moving home, it's told with a wince, or a sympathetic nod, or at least, incredulity. The idea that coming home equals failure is just assumed. When people talk about moving away from home, they use words like, I got out, I escaped, or my personal favorite, I spread my wings. <laughs> people talk about moving back home like they're going to jail or confessing to a crime. So I want to challenge this ubiquitous cultural perception that coming home implies failure. In fact, I want to suggest that coming home gives you an opportunity to be successful in a unique and tangible way. Of course, success means to different things to different people, material wealth, fulfilling relationships, a great work-life balance. I would like to add a new component. I would like to suggest that success means being valued. I would also like to suggest that a young person is most valuable in a small town. That's not to say that young people in the city aren't contributing. What I am contending is that a 20-something is more valuable to Summersworth community than to New York or LA's. Does LA really need another college grad trying to find herself? Small towns like Summersworth do need young people. Small communities need fresh faces to attend town meetings or run for office to open businesses, and to make art. They need young people to build and invest in their community. This is not a campaign for provincialism. The most effective solutions to small town problems aren't usually parochial. Small town problems, like most problems, require innovation, open-mindedness, intellectual sophistication, and courage to embrace the unknown. I see these innovations happening in Summersworth. My best friend and fellow Summersworth native, Paul Goodwin, uh, is a MIT grad as of yesterday. And he <laughs> yeah, give it up for Paul. <laughs> he recently spent a summer drafting an innovative tax code to help spur downtown development. The city council adopted the measure, and the code is being used by some of the most prominent developments downtown. 
including Levin. I am also not an advocate for stifling one's own dreams. If you dream of being a Broadway star, you're going to have to get yourself to New York. But to follow this particular example, I do take issue with the idea that the only definition of success for a performer is a career on Broadway. There are so many ways a performer can practice their craft in a small town in a way that I would argue more intimately touches the lives of their audience, their colleagues, and their local culture. I see Sarah Duclos, wherever she is, right there, of Neoteric Dance doing that locally in extraordinary ways. Finally, I recognize that there is more out there than the tiny little bubble that we all grow up in. But that bubble exists no matter where you live, big city, small town. Even in cities, humans surround themselves with the people who share their worldviews, politics, and culture. So just because you live in LA doesn't mean you've stepped outside your comfort zone, and just because you live in a small town doesn't mean that you can't. So I willingly admit that I bought, out, bought into the hometown failure trope for a while. I went to college, even graduate school, but I came home. I hadn't spread my wings and become this full-fledged human that I felt everyone wanted me to be. And I wasted a lot of energy feeling bad about it. I had an existential case of FOMO. <laughs> I didn't realize that I was doing really cool things in town that was building the community around me. For starters, my boyfriend and I organized and host a neighborhood fireworks show. It sprang up from the fact that he and I had both worked summers at a local fireworks store and were prone to frequent product testing, which our neighbors did not love. So to avoid the ire of our neighbors, we finally decided to turn it into a party and just invite them. We didn't realize our neighborhood celebration would become a community institution. Today, we are about to enter our seventh annual year, and the event is almost entirely paid for by contributions from the neighborhood. You're all invited on July 4th. Come and donate. I also chair a nonprofit in Summersworth called the Friends of Summersworth. We work to promote arts and culture in the city through historic preservation. Our goal is to open the old Hilltop Elementary School, and we are awaiting approval um, for the National Registry of Historic Places. I serve on Summersworth's Historic District Commission, uh, where we work to preserve the integrity of the downtown and surrounding residential area. So you might recognize these buildings. They're across from Levin. The landlord um, doesn't really care about the historic integrity of his properties. He wanted to put vinyl siding on these buildings. Um, so it was only through the persistence and gall of the HDC that these historic buildings are being responsibly restored with wood and clabbered rather than boxed up with vinyl. I am also not a chronically unemployed volunteer. Uh, living in my hometown does not mean that I'm professionally stifled. I've been published in local and national publications and for two years wrote my own weekly political column for a regional newspaper. Uh, last fall, I took a fundraising job with Congresswoman Carol Shea Porter. I even got to appear in her campaign ad. Uh, and today, I work for a statewide public education lobbying organization. So some might say that I'm advocating the big fish, small pond scenario. And while big being a big fish does mean you have access to resources and people that you wouldn't in a city, the metaphor makes me uneasy, and I'll tell you why. Either it means the big fish wants to keep everyone small so he can eat all the other little fishies, or he wants to just get big enough to jump into a bigger pond. And I am an advocate for neither of these options. I don't want my pond and the fish in it to stay small, and I don't want to abandon my pond for a bigger one. Instead, I want to improve the pond for everyone. I want to deepen the pond for everyone. I want to grow, but I want my community to grow with me. In my pond metaphor, the ecosystem is symbiotic. I am valued by the community, but in turn, I add value to the community. 
So by now you might be thinking, Maddie, isn't this a fairly transparent defense of your own values and personal life choices? To which I answer, yes it is. <laughs> but <laughs> if you're here today, chances are you live in or grew up in a small town. And if you're like me, chances are you've wasted a good amount of time fretting about this geographical lifestyle choice. Stop. Because if you're here today, chances are you're doing something interesting and innovative and you're adding value to your community. In other words, you are successful. Be proud of your decision to be in your hometown or your small town. Take ownership of that choice and do not wallow in it as an unfortunate product of circumstance. Abandon your small town shame. Acknowledge that you're creating value and your projects are worthwhile. And spread the word. If you're adding value to your community, you are a success. And if you want to be valued, go where you're most valuable. Go home. Hey folks, thanks for listening to another episode of the Makers and Shakers podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us online and tune in next week for another episode. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I hate that song. I always feel like they're talking to me when it comes on. Another day, another dawn. Another Keisha, nice to meet you. Get the mad bomb gone. What am I supposed to do when a club lights come on? It's easy to be puffed, but it's harder to be shown. What if my twins ask me why I ain't married anymore?